Hey, this is Andrew DiMazio, lead pastor of Rose Church here in Portland, Oregon. Welcome to our podcast. Our mission here at Rose is building big people, becoming like Jesus in community while growing in our faith. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I pray today's message challenges you and encourages you on your walk with Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy today's podcast. We've been on uh, this Advent series for the last uh, four Sundays talking about uh, Jesus and his birth from the Matthew 1, Matthew 2, Luke 1, Luke 2. We've done all of the uh, nativity scene uh, verses and all the you know uh, uh, shepherds and magi and Joseph and Mary and Zechariah and all these stories. Today we're going to read possibly the most famous one when it comes to uh, Christmas and the looking forward to Jesus, which is the word Advent. It comes from Isaiah 9, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. We'll read it if you have a Bible, no worries, but on the screen for you there, but it says this, nevertheless, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Nephtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. It's coming a time that this is going to happen. This is what's going to happen. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For you enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice, and they will rejoice before you as people rejoicing at the harvest like warriors dividing plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warriors and the uniforms of blood stained by war will be burned and they will all be used for fuel by the fire. Here we go, the most famous lines. For a child is born and a son is given. For the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let's pray as we jump into Isaiah 9. Father, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice. Father, would you be here? Once again, as we sing these songs and melodies and lyrics, God, to worship Jesus today and magnify your name as we give of our resources, as we prepare for this holiday season, as we think more about you, not just the day and the gifts and the seasons and the friends, God, but let us fix our attention on you for the next few moments, the true gift, the true reason for the season the true reason why we do days like this and songs like this. And Father, I pray you'd be in this room. Would you open our heart, open our mind, and your mighty, mighty name I pray. And everyone said? My wife and I, Julia, who you met earlier, we've been married for 13 years. We have three children, a 10-year-old, 8-year-old, and 2-year-old. And a couple of years ago, um, I don't know, probably seven, eight years ago, we were at my parents' house for Christmas. And uh, my mom, who um, loves details, to say it politely. We call it OCD, she likes it order. Um, she has, I don't know, 30 photo books of us as kids. I mean, every moment of our lives was photographed. Now she has it in books by year, by date, by place. Oh, 1996, in that state, in that house? Oh, I have a whole binder from that house. Like she has it all ordered out and uh, one year, uh, my mom was like, Julia, we go up and show you like all Andrew's baby photos. I'm like, okay, this is, I'll see you next Christmas, Julia. 
Um, you're going to be up there for a while. Um, take a snack with you. Um, my mom is showing her these photos, and then Julia has a photo in her hand. She starts walking down the stairs really, like, aggressively, like very angrily walking down these stairs. And she has, like, a photo in her hand. And I'm like, what photo did she find? What, <laughs> ex-girlfriend or what? Like, she looks very upset. And she comes downstairs, I'm talking to my dad. Me and my dad are like looking at each other like, what? And she walks up straight by my face and holds this picture. She puts a picture from my face. She goes, it's a picture of me in high school with my shirt off. At a gym. Um, I used to be in shape. Um, <laughs> don't, don't let this dad bod fool you. I used to be in shape. And so uh, she comes up and he's like, you used to look like this? And this is what I get? This is real. This is real. Pray for our marriage. I'm still in counseling because of those words. She has a photo of me. This is what you used to look like. This is what I get. And then the next Christmas, she goes on to buy me a gift for Christmas. The gift was 10 workout sessions with my friend Brian. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. That, that was her gift. Hey, I need that body back. And I was like, babe, it's gone. I'm so sorry. Only the resurrection of the Lord can bring that body back. So it's, I'm, I'm deeply apologized, but those 10 workout sessions aren't going to bring it back. Um, and I was like, really? I love gifts. I'm a big gift person. And I open, I'm, I'm like, what should you get me for Christmas? I open it. It's, I've bought you 10 workout sessions with your friend Brian. I'm like, I get it. I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm picking up what you're laying down. You know, it's really funny, like, you know, some gifts you have to swallow your pride to receive. Could you imagine, like, your spouse, like, gives you a gift, a book for Christmas this year, and the book is How to Get Over Being Selfish? <laughs> like, for you to, like, receive that gift, you have to swallow your pride a bit. For you to receive a gift that, yeah, I need you to lose some weight, you have to receive your pride a bit. You have to swallow your pride a bit. It's really interesting. There's certain gifts we love to receive. There's other gifts that are a bit hard that you have to admit you need it before you receive it. And what I find very, very interesting is that this gift named Jesus is you have to know you need it before you can receive it. And what's really interesting about Christmas, I've never thought about this before, is that Christmas is a holiday of lights. It's, it's unlike Easter. It's unlike Thanksgiving. It's unlike any other event or holiday we have. It's surrounded by lights. Christmas tree, why do we light a tree? Why do we hang lights on our house? Why do we love candlelight? Why do we love going through zoo lights? Why do we love walking through streets of homes filled with lights? Why in the world have we made Christmas a holiday of watching lights, of holding lights, of going to pay to see lights? Because when they, and maybe you've wondered before, why did we choose December 25th? I'm sorry to burst your Christmas bubble, but Jesus was not born on December 25th. It was not his birthday. He was born in like April, May. I'm so sorry <laughs> if you've thought that your entire adult life, but he was never born on December 25th. So I was like, why did we choose December 25th then? What a random day. Well, the Middle East and the Mediterranean and then into the early West being the end of Europe before it got over here. The reason why originally they chose December 25th 
from eastern lands this way is because they believed that December 25th was the darkest day of the year. It was their winter solace. It was the darkest this year will ever get. Let us make a day about celebrating light on the darkest day we have. See, Christmas, this holiday of light, is not a statement of decoration. It's a statement of purpose. It's not because we love lights and candles and paying money to go to zoo lights. It's making a not decorative statement, an illustration statement that though we live in the darkest day, a light has come. And it comes from Isaiah 9. Nevertheless, those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light has shined. A light has come. But this is what I want to submit to you. You will never receive the light if you don't think you live in darkness. Some gifts you have to swallow your pride to receive. And why receive a gift of light if you don't live in darkness? But this is the difficult thing of darkness. The longer you live in it, the less dark it seems. I'm rocking my son to sleep the other night, and he will not go to sleep. And he's, getting, he's pretty big. It's like my arm's getting tired because I don't work out. And <laughs> he weighs like 90 pounds, I swear. Like, he's huge. And when I first turn the light off, like, it's so dark. But after rocking him for 15, 20 minutes, I can see my way around. I can find the bed and the nightstand. And I can, it's not as dark anymore, though I still live in darkness. It's not because the darkness has changed. My eyes have adjusted to the darkness I call home. Maybe today you're like, I don't live in darkness. Maybe it might be because you've lived in it for so long, it doesn't seem dark anymore. So there's no reason to accept this light today if we don't admit I need it. I live in a land of deep darkness, and I cannot conjure up light. I must receive light. I must find this light that I'm looking for. I can't conjure it up. I can't build it. I must receive it. That's why Isaiah 9 says, a child is born, a child is given. This does not say a child is raised. A child is, con it says, I have to be given this gift. Today, I would like you to offer, maybe for those of you that have never been in church in your life, never considered Jesus, today I'd like to offer you the greatest gift that you could ever receive. And to be as cliche as possible, it is not the gift under your tree. It's a gift that hung on a tree. But you have to ask yourself, do I live in darkness? That's why I want to receive this light. Why do we celebrate holiday? this holiday is Christmas as the holiday of lights? Because the light has come. The light has come. The light of the world, the Bible says. And Isaiah 9 goes on to say that he will come and he will do four things. Which is Advent, faith, hope, peace, and love. There's four things that he says that his name will bring. Number one, it says that he will come and he will be wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. We are obsessed with life coaches, workout coaches, not I, financial coaches. If I hear the word coach one more time, I'm going to lose it. Why? Because we are in need of counsel. And no matter how much money you make in this room, we still want more counsel, more coaching, more aid, more direction. We will pay sums of money to have someone direct us, lead us, counsel us on a business transaction or a 
financial endeavor or a child that's gone astray. We will pay money. Why? Because we know that we don't have it all figured out and we need counsel. Well, good news today, you don't need to pay for this counselor. You don't need to search out this life coach. He's come, first and foremost, to be what? Our wonderful counselor. The word wonderful can actually be used two ways in Hebrew. It's either wonderful or beautiful. He has come to be our beautiful counselor. Which what? It takes faith to believe that this person is going to lead you and counsel you in the right direction. You ever been meet with someone and you know for a fact they don't have your best interest in mind? And how they're actually giving you advice on what they want you to do, not what you should actually do? This person named Jesus, the light of the world, we can put all of our faith in, all of our belief in, all of our trust in, to know that he has come to be our wonderful counselor. How many plans are you trying to make right now for 2024? Business, kids, life, school, direction, homes, college. Well, good news. You don't just have another life coach. You don't just have another school aid. You don't just have another uh, a, a Google form that you, you can look up. You have the ultimate, the given, wonderful counselor. And he is never missed. He's never, got, he's never made someone get lost. He's never had an oopsies. Whoops, wrong way. Redirected you. Wrong girl. Wrong guy. Wrong college. He will only ever lead you to green pastures, to still waters. And it might not be your five-year plan, but it will be better. Because he's come to what? This light has come to be our wonderful counselor. Second, he's come to be our everlasting father. What an interesting four phrases this light is going to bring. He is our wonderful counselor. I'll pay for some counsel. Second, he's come to be our everlasting father. All of those that are 40 and under in the room that would consider yourself a millennial, we have been raised in a generation that has been called what? The fatherless generation. And it has been known, this is not a church thing or a Christian thing, it is known that mothers give nurture and fathers give identity. That no wonder that we feel so lost in our souls because many of us were raised without fathers, we don't know who we are. Because fathers install security, identity, protection. And I don't know what your relationship was like with your earthly father. Amazing or non-existent? Good news. He's come to give us an everlasting father that does not die, that does not leave, that does not walk out, that does not disappear, that offers you everything a father should ever offer. He has come to not only be our counselor, he has come to be our everlasting father. The wonderful counselor is our faith. Everlasting father obviously speaks to love. Love. That maybe you in the room today have not received or seen in a very long time. It's interesting. I'm talking about this a lot with my kids. They, they yell at me all the time. Dad, look, dad, look, dad, look. There's something about knowing your dad watches you. There's something know about in your soul knowing that your dad sees you and his eye is on you. Friend, I don't know who you're living for, but I want you to know that your everlasting father is waiting with love abounding. 
He's come to be our wonderful counselor. He's come to be our everlasting father. Third, he's come to be our mighty God. Mighty God. In the Hebrew, the word mighty God could be easily translated mighty warrior. He's come to fight for us. He's come to be on our side. He's come to be mighty in our stead, be strength in our stead. Let me just say this to you. Get in your spirit for 2024. You don't need to fight for everything on your own. You have a mighty God. You have somebody that wants to fight for you and with you and in you. You are not by yourself going into this year. You're not by yourself going into that battle. You are not by yourself going into this next season. He has come to be a light unto the world and not just give you counsel, not just be your father. He's come to be mighty God. Which is what? Speaks to our hope. Where does your hope lie? Not optimism. Completely different word. Hope. We use that word a lot, don't we? I hope I got that gift. I hope I got into the college. I hope I got my bonus. And I hope I hit that. We, we use the word hope a lot. But what we really mean in the English language is more like I'm optimistic. Hope is something completely different. Because hope is not based on a thing. Hope is based on a who. And we put our hope in this person named Jesus. Why? Because I hope, I put my hope that he will be mighty for me. That he will show up for me. That he will be fighting on my behalf. So Zechariah, book of Zechariah says that we don't fight by might, but by the spirit of the Lord. That he's come to be our mighty God. Last, which is really the theme of Christmas, he's come to be our Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. You know what's really interesting about the word peace in the, in the Hebrew language? It's actually the word wholeness. Wholeness. You know the word anxiety or anxiousness in the, in the Hebrew language? means to rip apart. Because anxiety will rip you apart, but peace brings you whole. So anxiety fragments you. Peace brings you whole. So he's the prince of peace. He's the prince of wholeness. There are people in this room that would pay a lot of money to feel whole. To receive peace. You'd pay a lot of money to sleep through the night for once in your life. You'd pay a lot of money to rest. Why? Because you are living fragmented. But friend, good news today, that is not God's will for you. That you would live fragmented. His will for you is that you would have a relationship with the Prince of Peace. Now, before we go on, what do you mean by peace? Oh, you mean peace like my life's going to? Actually, not at all. You mean everything's going to get fixed? Probably not. You mean everything I'm anxious about is going to go away? That's not what I mean. Because what worth is it to have external peace and not internal peace? Have you realized that there's some external seasons you've been in, but your internal anxiety ruins your external peace? <laughs> so like, life is awesome. You got the business and the raise and the wife and the kid. and Like, out here is peace, but internal is anxiety. And your internal state ruins your external peace. That's not what peace is. Peace is the reverse. Though war rages around me, I have the Prince of Peace. 
Though my job is out of my control, I have internal peace. Though the marriage might not be where I wanted, I have internal peace. Though the money is not where it should be, I have internal peace. Oh, it's actually so much different, this Prince of Peace. So the war and rumors of war and famine and pestilence and disease and death reigns out here. Peace reigns in here. Because he's my Prince of Peace. But this is the very, very American thing that we do is we try to get the subject of peace without the object of peace. Friend, that money's never going to give you peace. Sex is never going to give you peace. That new accolade is never going to give you peace. That new home will never give you peace. That new car will never give you peace. You cannot pursue the subject of peace and ignore the object of peace. For he is our object of peace. And when I pursue the object of peace, I get the subject of peace. For he has come to be our wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, and prince of peace. Why? Because, oh, and where I started. If you are living in deep darkness today, a light has come. If you are living in deep despair today, a, dark, a light has come. If darkness has overshadowed you during this season, a light has come. That's why I love the first word in Isaiah 9.1. It says, nevertheless, nevertheless, those who live in deep darkness, the light has come. Let that be your word of the season, nevertheless. Though the future looks bleak, nevertheless. Though I'm overwhelmed, nevertheless. Though life looks overwhelming, nevertheless. Though the business is up in the air, nevertheless. Though the marriage is on the rocks, nevertheless. Though my health is in question, nevertheless. Nevertheless, if you live in deep darkness, a light has come. But what use is this light if you don't think you need it? For this gift, you have to swallow your pride to receive. As I end the band and Kanye's choir can come back up and we're going to sing and we're going to pray. And we're going to light candles. You know, it's really interesting, even as we light candles, we're gonna turn around and light the person behind you. Do you know why that started? It's because we've all had been given the light that we share. And the light is not ours, that we share it to everyone around us. We're gonna light our candles, we're gonna sing, not because of carols and choirs and candlelights, because we're gonna be reminded today, the light has come. If our ministry has been a blessing to you at all, whether through the podcast, online, or through socials, would you consider partnering with us financially to help us continue blessing people and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus? If you'd like to do so, you can go online to rosechurch.org give. Thank you so much for partnering with us and helping us continue to do what God has put in our hearts here for you.